Hello there everybody, my name is Sophie Aldred and I had the enormously great pleasure of playing the character of Ace in Doctor Who. And I would like to just remind you that you are listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. It's not private, it's public. And it means that you, the public, can listen to this Gallifrey Public Radio. And I'm very honoured to be on it and interviewed by it. So I hope you really enjoy the interview with me and all the other amazing stuff that they put out. And thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting Doctor Who all these years and for all this time. Because without you, Doctor Who wouldn't be the show it is today. This is Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 506 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where art either reflects life or maybe it becomes it in Mona Lisa's Revenge. I'm Jay. I'm Julie. And I'm Haley. This week, the juvenile protagonist managed to be among the first to see the Mona Lisa in person, literally, as she searches for her brother, the Abomination, and other paintings throughout the gallery. Beginning with Luke having secretly submitted Clyde's artwork for a competition, and much to Clyde's surprise, as everyone else's, he wins first place uh, and gets his art hung in the gallery and a trip to see the newly installed Mona Lisa in person. The curator and his assistant are just ready to debut the painting, where the Mona Lisa then reaches out, switching places with Phyllis. With Sarah Jane also trapped in a painting herself, the kids decide to face the living Mona Lisa alone while she searches for her brother. With some back and forth ending in a broken key, Luke seemingly gives in to Mona Lisa's demands to help open a puzzle box lock to release her brother in living paint. Reunited, Luke takes advantage of Clyde's artistic talent and tricks our dastardly villains by releasing our favorite robotic hound from the sketch pad. Who led the dogs out? in this makes a, a rather hilarious antagonist. They, just, they really just kind of decided to make a villain that had no redeeming value and just kind of had fun with it. So what do you guys think of the, the Mona Lisa as a character? I think character is a strong word for what Mona Lisa was <laughs> in this episode. Um, 
she definitely advanced plot points uh, with her actions. And also kind of looked like the Mona Lisa, I guess. I think they had some fun with her interactions with the world. And one of the moments I did like was when they turned a corner and she saw the outside and Mm. creating that strife with her not being able to exit. I mean, it pulled her back into her evil plans, but I, I think it was a fun way to bring history forward without just going back in time or doing the very classic doctor who thing like that. So bringing someone else through time, going back in history and allowing there to be some, we'll call it educational aspects of it. Question mark. I thought it was a cool mechanic that they used. Um, I just don't think they quite hit it with the actual story they gave us. No, I mean, it, it, it was more fun than anything. I mean, none of it really made sense. Like, why was the Mona Lisa speaking English with a, you know, a very kind of like urban accent? It was not a, you know, it should have been Italian or at least French or, you know, something along those lines. Or, you know, there, there were so many things that didn't make sense to it. But I didn't care because it was so much fun. Because you could tell from the out, outset, it was like, this isn't going to make sense. This isn't going to be one of those serious things. Just enjoy the ride. And I did. I really, really did. Yeah, the minute the Mona Lisa is allowed to be unguarded at a small time place like that, you know it's going to go off the rails in a fun way, for sure. <laughs> I mean, all of the art seemed to be completely unguarded in any way. No security measures at all. Because, I mean, jumping ahead, when they had to get the puzzle box thing, they just like picked it up and carried it off. Like, no alarms went off. Nothing. Mm-hmm. There, for anyone who's been in museums with any art, even stuff that has no historical value, as soon as you get close to those things, there's a a very stern looking (laughs) human being right there over your shoulder going, ah, 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 and pointing down at a line that's been drawn or put in (laughs) in the woodwork or something like that. Yeah, that definitely kind of brought you out of it when they just walk up to stuff and pick it up in the first the first act just didn't match to any sort of real life. It allowed the story to go through, but yeah, again, not, not really uh, realistic in any way. True. But that brings us to the fact that Clyde's art finally on display out in public in the world, even though he has some strange alien influences that other people think are just real neat. And turns out he's copying some Centauran influences, some other weaponry, and that he's also drawn K9, which we find in the end. Do we see this promoting additional healthy praise for Clyde, or do we think this will have some other different kind of effect or maybe a negative thing? Will this carry through to future episodes? Having never seen this show before, all I can say is at the end, Sarah Jane didn't want to talk to Clyde about how good his artwork was. She wanted to talk to him about what he was doing and where he was drawing inspiration from. And have we heard anything about Clyde being an artist before this? Not that I can recall. Yeah. Like, have, yes. I, I don't, we have? Yes, he has. <laughs> he has drawn things before and there was his sketchbook that we he's talked about previously. Okay. But it was very guarded. He didn't want people to see it. He didn't want to talk about it with anyone. He said it was okay. kind of his secret 
thing for himself. Okay. I'd, I've forgotten that one. So that's hopefully that means that it is a thread that they plan on carrying through if they were able to pull at that. But at the same time, I, I don't, it served this story. It served to get things moving. I don't know if it's going to be something that plays into anything in the future. Also, like, I don't understand why drawing Santar and blasters is a bad thing because like, this is literally the only scenario where that would be a problem. Right. Also, the doctor regularly mentions anachronistic things to historical figures, uh, thinking back to the Shakespeare code where he accidentally dropped some like alien names that Shakespeare picked up and added to his art. So I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, I think maybe not full on drawing K9 in a painting or picture that goes out to public might be a thing, but small tidbits like that where it's just a really cool futuristic looking weapon. I wouldn't see that that's a problem. Maybe, although flip side of that, that means anybody who does know would search potential databases and see that and then come after her for exposing the kids to it. Yeah, find out that assuming it's not just something he's imagining, it's if he's actually got access to these real things that people are starting to see in the world, why does he know about them? Right. So maybe Sarah Jane's right on that one. Sarah Jane is more responsible than the doctor, so maybe. <laughs> so another thing that we kind of see in this room is a very domestic dispute between Sarah Jane and Luke. Uh, classic mother-son relationship of it's time to clean your room. So do we feel like that was something that kind of rounded out their relationship? Or was it just an annoying teenager thing to put some conflict into the episode? I'm going to go with the second one there, the <laughs> annoying teenager thing to round out a reason for them to have been in disagreement throughout. I think that room was overly disgusting. I don't feel like he, unless this was brought about as an explanation from Luke as something that he was on purpose trying as a, well, I wanted to see what happened when I did X because... There were food bags everywhere. There were old tea mugs. You don't have that many tea mugs in a house where you can have five of them on <laughs> tables in your room before someone notices. Having teenage children myself, this was this was accurate. It it is surprising <laughs> how quickly a a teenage boy's room can go from I've spent all day cleaning this, keep it this way. I go and I put something in the kitchen and I come back and that is what I find. It's scary how fast it happens. So as far as the level of disgust in the room, that's that yeah. was the most realistic thing in this whole episode. I, a few years ago, had a male roommate in his early 20s who decided that he didn't use dishes so he shouldn't have to load the dishwasher and then just started keeping his dirty dishes in his room to maintain that point. To the point where we didn't have any forks in the house and everyone was like, where are they all? And they were in his room and his room smelled disgusting because he had dirty dishes in there. So. All right. Point taken. I retract my statement. It is very believable and uh, real teenager stuff. So you have that to look I, forward to. Yeah. I, I will cool. say that the um, – while I think that this served as a – they needed to have some kind of conflict between Luke and Sarah Jane. So they threw this in there. It – does add some dimension to their relationship. It does kind of help to to take the edges off that to, to you know make it seem like a, a more 
regular uh, mother-son relationship. So it's it, it may not have been the intention of having it there, but it really did kind of serve that purpose because you you do get to see a little bit more of the day-to-day life instead of just the, you know, this is what happens when aliens show up on Tuesdays. I do think it's a bit weird for Luke to immediately jump to the, you just want me to be perfect like the Bane. Like, if that's really how he feels, which I know kids are very, well, one time something doesn't happen, then it means it's never going to happen again, ever, ever. Can you believe this ever, never? (laughs) But I think it's... I know it's our touch point for the viewers to, oh, remember where he came from? But I also feel like that was just such a quick, like the first time that she's asked him to clean his room and now he has to be perfect. Clearly it was not the first time she's asked him. (laughs) And and kids like to do that where they – if they know they have a button that's a kind of a get-out-of-jail-free card, they're going to use it. They're going to be like, I don't like getting yelled at. So here, I'm going to push this thing and it's going to make you stop. And I don't care what the repercussions are. So it's, it may have been a bit hyperbolic, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I I can see the, I can see the, the echoes there. Speaking of other relationships, uh, the way that Phyllis was pining in the beginning and then how she just slams that door right back (laughs) in the curator's face. Uh, do we enjoy that? Was it overly much? It was a hundred percent the right amount of much. Um, (laughs) so when I was watching the episode, when he like started to talk to her at the end, like, Oh, my name is Lionel. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Is he, was he not a total putz this entire story? Are we supposed to believe he has some redeeming qualities? And then she just shuts him down so hard. I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't miss anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He wanted that very storybook, picturesque movie ending for himself, where he's like, oh, I have seen my flower in front of my face this whole time. And I think that's why he started with the, please, don't call me Mr. So-and-so, call me Lionel. And she's like, <laughs> slam. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was the perfect response to that. It was great. Yeah. So does she go find some other job, or what does that look like for her as the assistant in that building now. I think she gets him fired and takes his job, right? <laughs> I am all for that. She has yeah. all of the proof. There were Head, so many witnesses. Head cannon accepted. <laughs> so how do we think that this uh, kind of ranks with the, the previous stories that we have, we've seen? Like, uh, where does it fit into the scale? It was a fun episode, but it's not the strongest episode of Sarah Jane that we've had. I think some of the pseudoscience was fun to see. I like the idea of being able to pop things in and out of paintings, things and people. I sort of wish there was a little bit more logic to how that happened and something more to connect whatever this abomination was, not just that reveal in the last 10 minutes, but it mm-hmm. was very fun. I think it does a bit to promote, like we're saying, the relationship between sarah jane and luke and then i think seeing clyde grow is really fun i i agree it was it was a lot of fun i I liked that you know luke kind of being smart about things and you know like figuring out hey paint is just minerals and oil like it could very easily be you know kind of giving a little bit of credence to what we've seen so far though really there was no need and 
I mean, any episode that you want to show me where K9 gets to save the day, I, I'm I'm all for it. It's it's perfect. But um, yeah, I, I agree. It was not the strongest, but it's it's definitely not the weakest either. It there it was a lot of fun, and I, honestly, this is one that I might go back and enjoy again. I just wish that the second K9 were also able to stick around, and then there'd be two K9s. Right. Well, we, uh, we've been asking for it for the longest time now, and we finally have our air dates for the specials. Huzzah! <laughs> like we suspected, we are going to get them uh, on three consecutive weeks, though it's starting a little later than we would have guessed. Uh, our first episode actually taking place, the Star Beast, on the 25th of November, so a couple days after the... Uh, after the, the 60th anniversary date. Um, and then uh, on December 2nd and December 9th following through. So it, we're really not going to have that much of a gap between uh, between the giggle and the, the Christmas special this year. It's kind of exciting. Yeah, we were all thinking that this series of specials would end around the anniversary and instead it's kicking off around the anniversary and leading into the holidays. I'm... Excited for them to be on Saturdays instead of Sundays. I think that's yes. good for show times. I think that's really, really good for engagement and in people who aren't first watch immediate things, they're going to catch it by the end of the weekend instead of, eh, well, I'll get to it next weekend. And then now they're falling behind. So I think that I'm hoping that that means viewership will increase for this. I'm I'm excited about the the dates. I, I don't know how this is going to play out with the with the Disney Plus for everywhere in the world aside from the UK. Um, I don't know what time we'll end up getting it on there if it's going to be simulcast, but um, at least we know which days we're looking for now, and that is something. Yeah, I mean, if I yes. had to guess, I would think it's either going to be dropped in its entirety some number of hours after it airs. Or they'll do a simulcast, like you said, as it's airing and then just available for streaming after that. I, I wouldn't mind just everybody getting it at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like everybody, uh, it's available to start watching now. Go forth and watch. I, I suspect that's probably what they're going to end up doing. Disney Plus has gotten pretty good about like, hey, it, it's going to launch on this day at this time kind of thing instead of. You know, the it's like, oh, it's this day and you just have to guess whether it's going to be midnight or whatever. So it's uh, I, I suspect that we will get that that same time frame kind of thing. But although I would not be mad if it's just like, oh, wake up and here's Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, so next time we come back, uh, we're going to be kind of prepping ourselves for those specials and taking a look at who the toy maker is uh, kind of a, a primer on this, uh, this character that we're going to see Neil Patrick Harris playing. I, I want to learn about him a little before we get into those specials. I think it's going to be an important bit of background. This has been episode 506 of Gallifrey public radio until next time. This is Jay saying now I understand why Bob Ross was always trying to beat the devil out of his paintbrushes. <laughs> This is Julie saying, pigmentation dissolution complete, mistress. 
And this is Haley saying, I want every episode to end with insults like Trollop and Art Tart. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next time. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. Jacob Hansen. Gallifrey Public Radio is copyright 2023. We'll see you next time.